good day in the neighborhood. Good afternoon, good afternoon, good afternoon. You know what that girl indicates. And then others talking about the KG and the Fifth Floor Wildcats podcast. We have a special guest in studio with us here, friend and colleague, member of the SWAT fraternity. Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, uh, who, where are you from, sir? Let everybody know who you are. You can impress folks with your credentials. <laughs> I'm from uh, Waco, born in Norman, Oklahoma. Uh, currently have a website, THC-Agency, which is actually a consulting company that works uh, with smaller uh, football programs, athletic programs, particularly HBCU institutions. I'm also currently a professor at Texas Southern University, where I teach uh, after after inaugural sports management program, getting it off the ground in 2010. We actually offer a Bachelor of Science in Sports Management, so that's a little bit of everything I do. I'm also on Facebook, Twitter, and all those different languages. So that folks, how they can find you there, too? All right, the Facebook and Twitter is Dr. Kenyatta Cavill. That's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. Again, that's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. Biggest thing I do is I'm a sports analyst, and I like to look at not just giving you sports information that you see. I also like to look at the background and tend to do a little more on the sport business side. We look at the sport business side and how all these things come together, and we'll probably give you some feedback on that today to let you know not just what's going on on the field, but what's going on off the field and behind the scenes. So as you can tell, we're not wasting messing around with some some random rum dum as a guest part of the podcast. Here we have somebody who knows what he's talking about. We've known Doc for years. He's a friend as, as well as a colleague. He's, he's you. highly respected in what he does. Wildcat, are you ready to talk about uh, the, so, the, the, the may, may I say, may I say the American, not the act, as you and another colleague referred to the American Athletic Conference, the American Conference had their football media day a few days ago, and we were both wrong, apparently, that our colleague Joseph Duarte from the Chronicle would be in attendance because he wasn't. He wasn't. And I, I was rudely informed of that, too. He was, he was not happy that I, I had made a statement that he had uh, uh, made that run. But we got corrected, and I understand what's going on, and I'm going to let it be, and Dr. Duarte will uh, explain his, his own situation in his own time. But as we start today, uh, first thing, let us not forget, folks, this is the last free weekend we got until like February when the Super Bowl goes on. It's all about football from here on out. Okay, that season starts start again. Well, yeah. For, for me. <laughs> yes, that, that's true. Sure. That's true. But Dr. Gobill and I, we're, we're, about our, we're about the football and stuff. One big event. It won't be here at home, but it'll be an event. Um, HBU, in the history of the school, has not had a football program ever. They have moved back from, from NAIA all the way back to Division One. FCS Championship Series. They opened the season against Sam Houston State, a fellow uh, Southland Conference team, which they are now officially a member of as of July the 1st of this year, 2013. They will open on August the 31st at Sam Houston. Folks, get out and see the new product. They got a abbreviated schedule this year. Um, as uh, KJ and I mentioned last week, they had one game moved. Re, uh, reschedule because of like someone else here in town uh, in the area attempted to, uh, to get their hands on a lot of money at one time. They scheduled two games on the same day. Uh, one game out of town and one game, <laughs> one game on the road, uh, at, at home and it won't work. And as, as, uh, it all, they, it's kind of like between Evelyn Christian and, and HBU, they kind of like worked it out. Good. Uh, was it Evelyn Christian or Texas College? Who was it? It was, uh, Texas, Texas College. Texas College, I'm sorry. And this um, it was moved, it, it was moved from, to be the first home game in September. September 21st. And, uh, it got moved back to November because the Texas College previous administration scheduled two games on the same day. And Dr. Cavill, you are more aware of Texas College's, uh, situation than, uh, KG and I are. Uh, right. I, I, we definitely didn't know that they had made a change in our administration for that to happen, but things like that do happen. On the, uh, Absolutely. NIA. Yeah, when you're looking at the uh, smaller level, when you talk about NIA, you have some programs that have some significant size that operate uh, quite like the larger programs, but usually you have much smaller institutions. They happen to be usually private institutions, so the financial uh, 
ability to get things done where you would think to us is a trivial, oftentimes becomes a heartache. So, yeah, it's not to give an excuse or anything like that, but it's just to inform you that uh, that does happen a lot more at that level and on that side. And now the opening home game for HBU Huskies is Oklahoma Baptist on uh, September 28th at 7 p.m. Uh, and the game will be at Straight Dead with the uh, uh, Preparatory. Uh, yeah, all, all the home games this year will be at Straight. Is that right? It's, it's well, for except one. for the BBVA Cup game. Yeah. Right. Uh, and, and now, speaking of another local factor, uh, and Dr. Bill, you can jump in here and chime sure. here down with this. Uh, Texas Southern, when, did, when, when are they supposed to report? And They'll actually report tomorrow. First thing tomorrow, uh, they'll be loading up and they're ready to get under the way. Uh, this is coming off, obviously, after the NCAA sanctions, so they didn't have spring ball. So that's something to keep as a factor to let you know uh, what they're trying to do. So they have a lot that they want to try to squeeze in. My understanding that uh, it did not affect what they were going to do in terms of the weight room, strength and conditioning, so they spent a lot of time on that. So the Coach Asbury feels that they're going to be definitely in shape in terms of on the offensive side of the ball. They look to put the ball up. Uh, they have a bevy of quarterbacks, uh, nine of them that they're going to be fighting to see who gets the lead. And the reason nine that, quarterbacks? Yeah, it's kind of wow. exciting right. when they stick that out there with nine. They have a transfer that came with him from Shaw that sat out. have a couple of freshmen. Remember, they were two senior quarterbacks that they had doing the lead way, so not a lot of people got a lot of time. They got hurt last season, so they came and had a freshman. Um, and there's some question of whether he thinks the freshman is really going to be ready to come back. So it's like that old saying, if you don't have one quarterback, you have multiple, do you have any? But he likes to think that uh, his biggest thing is he has quarterbacks with talent, but he wants to see which quarterback is going to be a leader. How many how many players on Tigers right now on the roster? Um, there's about they're going to bring about 80 to camp. Okay. Uh, and all of them will be on full scholarships. They still have a reduction of the scholarships. They won't be full scholarship level until next year. Okay. But they. They they feel like they're in a much better shape in terms of rebuilding the program after coming off the sanctions and the APR hits. They're clean in terms of APR. And they're on the uptick on that part and should be in good shape. Again, offensively, uh, the talent is really at the wide receiver position. They're loaded there, uh, but you have to get somebody giving the ball. There's some question on the line and what the kind of line play. The real question though is on the defensive side of the ball, where they're going to be really young. He, he Coach Asbury, when I say he, believes that they're going to be very athletic. How about special teams? Kicking and punting. How's that going to be? Kicking field goals and punting. They have a guy that they brought in. Remember they lost Mm -hmm. um, the kicker last year. They actually won two games for him uh, in terms of uh, field goals, the Prairie View game, and uh, and the Grambling game. Uh, So Robbie, they lost Robbie last year. So they've been looking for a kicker. They like to believe they have a kicker, but until you get in that live competition, uh, it's all easy to say somebody can kick 40, 50 yard field goals in practice. Prairie View. What's that situation right now? Prairie View is going to be very interesting. They are, have a talented team coming back on offense in terms of two quarterbacks, namely Smiley. They remember that he had that one game against Southern where everybody was uh, trying to figure out who is this guy because he put up, you know, over 700 right. yards. And so they're really excited about him coming back. The big thing that you're going to look at, Prairie View, can they stay healthy? If they can stay healthy, they're going to give Pine Bluff, who was picked in terms of the SWAC, to lead the way and repeat, particularly on the Western Division side of the conference. That's the team with all the talent because they have their big quarterback coming back, Benjamin Anderson, which is preseason all SWAC. But to get back to Prairie View, they brought in a new coordinator coming out with some uh, experience from Texas A&M who uh, is really going to be a leader amongst men. He's doing a lot of different things and scheming. Uh, they seem they hit the weight rooms as well. So they're excited about what they think they can do down in Prairie View. And on the offensive side, you see they can put up the points. Yes, right sir. Yes, sir. Uh, he's back. Uh, it's about them staying healthy and, and putting stuff together. So don't be surprised if Prairie View makes a push this year. They will pick. Third amongst the coaches, which surprised some people, uh, with Southern ahead of them, which is another team that you want to look at with the quarterback coming down there today. And uh, 
So it'll be interesting to see what they're going to do and just to round it off since we're on the west side. The fourth guy is, uh, is uh, Gramlin and Texas Southern that we just talked about was picked fifth in terms of the seating on the west side, which encompasses the two Texas schools, Prairie and Texas Southern. Labor Day Classic is on the 31st of August. It's at the BBB Compass Stadium, BBBA Compass Stadium. Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming you're going to pick PV to beat TSU. Yeah, in terms of that, I think where things stand right now, the way everything stands like that, you know, we want to go through preseason. Particularly, what I said on the uh, trouble that I think you have with Texas Southern on the defensive side of the ball. Both teams, I think, are going to put up points. It's going to be similar to the game you seen last mm-hmm. year, uh, where both teams lit it up. I mean, you talking about if you're an offensive guy, that was an offensive game galore. If you're a defensive guy, you were hiding your head in terms of the game. And I really think the uh, other than the kick that came down that we just talked about, Robbie winning that game. The big part of that game is when the quarterback from Prairie View went out with mm-hmm. the injury uh, from a late hit. And if it wasn't for that, I think Prairie View would have hung on last year because they just literally would have just outscored Texas Southern. Wouldn't have been anything they did on the defensive side of the ball. I think with the new quarterback, I think he's going to be able to do some things to get people in the right places and at least stop uh, what uh, Texas Southern or hold them down. I shouldn't say stop because I think Texas Southern going to put up some points. It's going to be an exciting atmosphere out there with them being at home. Uh, open up that stadium in terms of this mega event, as we know in this part with Labor Day Classic. But I think I would have to give the edge to Prairie View. Have you heard anything on how ticket sales have gone so far for the game? No, they really just started the okay. t- ticket sales in terms of getting out. They've been ramping up, getting all that to their season ticket holders, uh, which is going pretty well. But in terms of opening out to the masses, it's my understanding that they should go into full capacity of that this week. Okay. Wildcat. All right. Now, speaking of Southern, that's the first home game that UH has this season. I opened up. Coach mentioned yesterday. Coach uh, Levine mentioned that uh, on yesterday that that's the only thing that's on their mind. And start opening camp. And that's August 30th. Cougars and Southern. August right. 30th. Uh, and, op- and opening camp, he's basically put out two particular situations. One, everybody's under the gun. Two, everybody's got two weeks to make the death shot. Uh, and with two brand new, uh, coordinators, offensively and defensively, especially the defensive coordinator, Coach Gibbs, he's well spoken about by the, by the guys. And I, and, and like I mentioned off air earlier, I hadn't had kids talk about their position coach or their coordinator, like, especially on the defensive side, since Coach Ramsey was at Texas Southern. And Ramsey is at Alabama State as a defense coordinator. Oh, yeah, because I'm, I'm going to get to that point, because I, I, my gut tells me same situation is going to happen because of his mentality and his ability to basically scheme his, his what he wants done right. in basic patterns and make it all work, which is what they what Coach Gibbs is starting to do okay. over, at, over at U of H. He's got a lot of things working. Um it could be basically, the guy could be basically in the same setup, either up or down, but the same results is going to happen because of how he's basically designed the offense, I mean, the defense for it to work. And, uh, Coach Levine mentioned, you know, the question was asked yesterday also about, uh, the 42nd rule. He says, well, we are not, we're not worried. He basically made the same statement that, uh, Coach Browse mentioned at, uh, the Big 12 day. 40 seconds, we intend on being downfield somewhere. You know, because when the man says, when the referee blows the whistle and sets the ball down, we're ready to go. Uh, but, but it makes it for some exciting football. Now, Coach Levine did mention that unlike, uh, what the Big 12 has where pretty much everybody's into the spread, he's in a situation like Coach Sumlin is in the uh, SEC where older, the older squads and all they need. The American. <laughs> God, hey, y'all want to set the act? Yeah. That's right. That's the right. American. He's going to be stepping in a lot, folks. He's yeah. going to be stepping in a lot. The American. He's going to take no while to get accustomed to that. That's all right. I work on you with this, sir. <laughs> but saying the American. <laughs> it's like a long story short. There are a lot of, there are still a lot of conventional, uh, offices in the, uh, uh, American. Thank you. Uh, I got it. Wow. <laughs> uh, so it, it'll be interesting on how they adjust, you know, to what U of H is bringing to their conference because it's, like he mentioned yesterday, it's one thing to see that on film. Yep. It's one thing to see it, you know, up close when you're not coaching. But when you're on the sidelines, you don't see everything because where you were, your your perch was above it all, where you can see it all break down, uh, break out. 
when you're standing on the sidelines, you got to depend on that person in, in the press box. And it's going to be interesting how these defenses are all adjust. The other thing this season, the new rules we're discussing, and it's going to be like this for at least um, the next two weeks from what Coach Gibbs told me. I asked him a direct question in a one-on-one, was this the biggest change he's seen in, in uh, NC2A defensively? And he said yes, because two things are going to happen, or probably even three. One, targeting rule. That means you can't target a defender's chest uh, from the shoulder blades up. Not just the chin, the shoulder blades, the chest area up. You can't just target that. And two, you can't use the crown of the helmet anywhere on the player. And it's either one of those two uh, uh, penalties is pretty much an automatic ejection. And if it happens in the second half, you are not only ejected from that half of the game, but the first half of the next game, see, they, and when he talked this mention that to me, that's a big, that's a big drawback. Sure. Because now you, you you're looking at a situation like Clowney last uh, last year and his uh, his hit. You you go back and look at that. Depending on where the the, the referee or the line does yes, back does standing there, he's out of the game and maybe not even just miss that particular game. And what you're referring to is live action. You had actually a week worth of discussion from different right. officials. In different leagues, SEC and Big Ten, ACC, they were going back with one group saying, yes, he would have been ejected, and another group saying it was a good hit, legitimate hit. So imagine people just watching something on film. Imagine them translating that to actual live action as you're referring to. And Coach, I asked Coach Levine, I asked Coach Gibbs, same question, and got the same answer. Both said, when they looked back on the film, they could remember what as, uh, Coach Gibbs said, he would have to look back on, on some film. Because Levine went to thinking in his mind and all when he was that was brought up in the uh, media day, he said basically every week we would lose a player because of that those two rules. Wow. They, they, because the, I'm glad you the, brought that up. Because when you look at it, the DJ Hayden, you know the, the, the way he was hitting guys and all last year, you know out of the deep of the backfield. Sure. Yep. You know you, it's, it's it's almost a judgment call, but in the process, not only do you have that situation going on, clock stops, and the headlinesman or whoever goes to the sideline, and he's got to go and look at a replay to decide whether the guy is going to be ejected or just going to be a penalty. That's going to extend the game longer than, than at least maybe 15 minutes. The rule is, is going, I believe, is going to have to be changed soon. I mean, it's going to take a while. They're once The intent of the rule is to protect the offensive players. We all understand the intent. We all understand that. But once people see how it is implemented during the games mm-hmm. and realizing the ramifications of the interpretation right. of this rule, I think it's going to lead to a change in a modification in the rule because you, you talk about a team losing a player a week. If that happens all over the college football landscape, that's going to cause an uproar to make a change in the rule. So we'll see how it all plays out. I think. College football season starts on August 29th. Yes. So, uh, August 29th, 10 minutes into whatever that first game is, probably going to have a discussion out. right then and there of, of a hit that's being under review and then that's right. go from right, right, right there. And that's going to be the, that's the other thing that everybody mentioned. It's going to give everybody a lot more TV time, but it's going to give you a lot more TV time for the wrong reason. Because where those games that open up uh, on, that, on that Thursday, where they normally put, probably wouldn't have had a TV, the crew working, they'll have one that day because everybody will want to see what's going to happen when this happens. You know, they want situations now so they can start putting the timing out on the clock as far as production. Because we have three, all three of us sitting here. TV time is it's valuable. valuable. It's valuable. They don't want to be sitting around, you know, going to instead of going commercial. Now, when you come back, you're running through, and all you got is this football. You know, it's going to be a dead time, dead period. Is anything else? Uh, oh, speaking of the sweat. I got hit again with this, you know, ten, the, the, the tournament coming here to Houston and the, yes. the championship game coming to Houston. And somebody, I had to, I had to basically catch myself. But the person looked like me when they made the, made the statement, really. You no, know, how did that happen? Who, how, how did the SWAT come, how, come to Houston? Yeah, how did, how did that happen? You know, just, they, they looking at it like, it, it seemed kind of strange when all, when it's been, in Birmingham. In Birmingham forever and a day. 
Well, there's been some serious conversation with a lot of people in the SWAC over the last five, seven years about concerns, and mainly the concern that they had with Birmingham was there was a lot of people, obviously, that talked about Birmingham wasn't a great deal to do. But the real issue that they really had with Birmingham was the weather and the fact that they had that open state. Mm-hmm. There were many games uh, where people were basically just miserable out there because it was so cold. Some of the games were even played in rain. If people remember when Prairie View won their championship TSU against Alabama rain. A&M, it was horrible. The one against TSU um, was not very good as well. It, got, it started raining and it got cold toward the end of the game and started, started to freeze up. Exactly. So they've been trying to move in this direction. They Birmingham did a tremendous job financially making sure that game was there. Really, the beginning of this was when the basketball tournament was moved up there in Garland. Uh, some research that I did on this found out that there are actually grants that cities can get out there to uh, to put out to uh, conferences and other organizations in helping them fund to get the uh, event, if you would, in their city, which obviously turns around and does the economic uh, beneficial of the city. So that actually helps pay or cover that cost. Well, essentially, the SWAC heard about that, Houston heard about that, and as my understanding, President uh, presidents, both uh, Prairie View, Texas Southern, Texas Southern president had a lot to do with it in terms of making the connections of this uh, really come together. Remember, um, President Redley has just become the chair of the SWAC presidents and chancellors committee. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of insight in terms of this part of the fallback on that. And once the ball got rolling, uh, it was easy to see that uh, the SWAC was coming to Houston. It was the place to be in terms of the facility and everything there. So it was a great move, I think. Uh, there's a couple of things they're going to have to do because uh, the city of Houston is so significant and there's so many different things. You do have to make sure that you market yourself differently than you would in Birmingham. But if they do some of those things, remember, it's not just football, and it's not just this year. It's three years, and it's also basketball at the Toyota Center. So it'll be fascinating. A lot of people in this area are happy. And uh, there's even question that maybe even the baseball tournament may be moved here. So for it being outside of Texas for so long, for it coming to Texas basically back to Houston, I think it's a great move. It should be interesting and fascinating to follow. Now, for those listening to the podcast who are regular listeners, you may be wondering, or who is this third voice I hear on the podcast? It's Dr. Kenyatta Cavill. He's joining KG and myself and the fifth with Wildcat on this podcast. And we hope to have him on future podcasts as well, sharing his knowledge and expertise in all things college football, especially HBCUs as well. Thank you, as always, for listening to the podcast. Wildcat, how can folks find you, sir? You can find me online at kingsideview.com, AKSVDCSR, Twitter, Blogspot, and YouTube. They can follow me on Facebook and Twitter in terms of social media. That's Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. Also, you can find me at the website, THG-Agency.com. I do a weekly update during the football season for the college sporting news website in terms of the HBCU huddle. I do uh, a report that comes up on the top ten, mid-major and major division, which separates the major, which is SCS, or previously what people referred to as one double A, and also do it for the mid-major, which happens to be the NIA schools that we talked about early, as well as the NCAA Division II HBCU program. And finally, I do a couple of radio talk spots. You can send me an email at kcavill, K-C-A-V-I-L, at th-agency.com if you want to hear what radio stations I'm on. And lastly, let us not forget, in our immediate city limits, we have HBU, St. Thomas University, Texas Southern, U.R.H., we are happy. There's a situation out there for everyone to be involved in, as well as academic. Uh, Wildcat, you forgot rice. Did you say rice? No, I, 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 it's convenience. Convenience or inconvenience. Okay, you can eat the rice out. I'm just, hey, I'm just, let's just say I'm, I'm working some things through with that, too. You know, I'm working some things through. We'll find out this week. to be covered. But, but getting back on talking about the SWAC basketball championship coming to Houston. You know, you got any more insight on it coming to Toyota Center? Because that's 
No offense to Les. I mean, I ain't trying to offend Les. I really, whatever. I am surprised that that's at Toyota Center. What are your thoughts on that? Right. I think it's it's a huge statement for the city of Houston, Les. And I think it's really about when you look at sport business, the business side. Um, you're paying for that stadium, mm-hmm. whether anybody's in there or not, 365 days a year. So if you can get somebody in there for a day that you think uh, gives you some well to generate additional revenue, and maybe the ticket sales are not where you want, but they're still spending money in terms of parking, as well as in terms of obviously even more importance is the concession stand. And people, if they're in there, they got to eat. And you, and basically he's going to get his funds. It's just coming from uh, the money set aside that they got from this funding mechanisms that allowed it. So he's getting his rental funds. So from his side, I can see why he definitely uh, sees it as uh, better than a negative situation. I don't have one question, um, and it's a marketing question. There hasn't been a price set yet. And, uh, and the only reason I'm, that I don't, I'm kind of like on top of that, he mean uh, asking for the football championship. No, for the either one. Either one, okay. Right. It's because the commissioner said on media day, it, basically words came out of his mouth. When the question was asked, no, we have not set a, a ticket price for either event. Why has not at least the football championship been set yet? I don't have privy to the information. I'll answer it my way, but I just yeah, want to get that out. The, yeah. the, the comments I will make were just be my sort management belief in terms of what's going on there. But I don't know why they had sent. But you're right that that's a serious issue that needs to be uh, informed about. When you go in and make these deals, one of the things you should have is a price point based on the city, the area, the economics and people involved, you should already have some type of price points. Now, at that point, he didn't give out a direct number, but I've heard some flowing numbers in terms of basketball that they were going to only do a one pass at $100-$125. Then later I heard that they were going to do individual game tickets. So there's still some question, as you say, what they're going to do. In terms of football, I think there's one thing that we need to put out there, and one reason they hadn't quite decided on the price point also is there going to be a battle of the bands that's going to be a component of that for the 10, uh, with all 10 schools coming in there. But I think it's very important that they quickly decide what is the price point because you must understand to do the background of your marketing in terms of the uh, SWAC championship game. And then, obviously, you build up uh, right in terms in front of the event. But I think that's one issue that smaller institutions, including HBCUs, have had is really understanding the business side of marketing and branding your organization and advertisement of it. Uh, there's so much money in terms of that's going on to the management side in terms of athletic directors as well as coaches that the peripheral in terms of the marketing, sports information, as you talk about rice, the issues of coverage and who should cover you. Those are the things that I think some of the institutions that are not necessary to big, bad BCS. Price schedule set by the first game, so you could. When it, when uh, as a sport management professor, am I, wrong? I can't deny that. Yes, you should absolutely. You but should have it, and I would say that you roll out a package that celebrates what's going on. They're just not very good at it. Just not very good at it. And it's a new field that they're trying to understand, and that's from individual institutions to the conference. Uh, like I said, you've been involved with. Some of the best programs around here. So you've seen some of the best practices in the business. Now, unfortunately, you're seeing some of the worst practices in the business. And it is what it is. Um, one last discussion, if, if we have time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> I gave you a, a memo to check, uh, to read through. It's not excerpts. You have direct quotes. Um, it concerns what I started to talk about last on last week's uh, podcast about the team's uh, the larger schools in NC2A forming a, a couple of super conferences, and these guys have basically done what they, what I call uh, a Colorado State situation, where when the WAC and broke up and formed, and the teams went one direction, Mountain West, and uh, and they uh, Mountain West, they're meeting in an airport VIP room and getting things done. Correct, and. The commissioner of the Big 12 basically said in the meeting that he has sat down with different commissioners and different conferences, and they're basically waiting on the sideline. But he's talking about succession. 
He's talking about mutiny. He threw a couple of, com- a couple of uh, conferences under the bus. Um, he's mentioned a couple of sub-conferences, uh, one in particular, uh, Conference USA, that they've had uh, with uh, Commissioner Banowski. Yep, Brendan Banowski. Uh-huh. Um, that they, you know, conversations right. have been done between uh, uh, where, where there will be a super conference and there will be a tier level. There will be a, a tier one of the super schools, tier two, which will cover the bottom half of that, that conference, and then tier three will be thrown out to the wolves, basically to fend for themselves, yeah. and, and hopefully things work out. Yeah. But it's da- even though it's down the road, folks, they've got a plan. Now, this is a serious issue, and let's take them back and do a little background on this and kind of show where this started, uh, at least where it became really obvious. Right. Uh, if you recall last summer at this time, there were a couple of initiatives that came from the NCA and the president at the time that talked about uh, stipends. Right. A lot of people were going through this uh, thing about paying players. Well, obviously, that's a whole other discussion. But the way they covered it all up, they said, we're going to do stipends, which were supposed to be about the cost of living and total cost of attending an institution. Right. Well, <laughs> they got it on the books, passed by the NCA. But there's a ratification component that allows every Division One institution that's a member of it. Remember, that's 300. Yeah. All we think about is the bigger ones, the BCS ones that we hear about, Texas. Automatic choir firms, LSU, right. Alabama, right. and right. things of right. those nature, which operate at the FBS football bowl subdivision, formerly 1A, right. uh, if you're talking about it. Well, they came back, and they were trying to ratify this, and those institutions understood, we can't afford this, uh, what they believe was a stipend. Right. The question was, it's going to be two, four, eight thousand $8,000 each, mm-hmm. each year, and they were like, we can't afford this, so they voted it down. That was really where the shock if anybody was paying to cross the bow, that's where it came about. Let's bring it all back to what happened. You've seen slide come out of the SEC, the commissioner. First statement was, there's some major issues that we need the NCAA to look at. Next, you've seen Swafford of the ACC. He made his little comments. When I heard uh, ACC Swafford, I said, oh, they've already met and came together, and they're reeling out their plan, and this is very strategic. And I was like, i got to hear what everybody says. And then you had... Bowlesby, who I thought, as you just said, really lit in everybody and had the most commentary, and I'll bring it back as I close out okay. with the commissioner of the Big Ten. They talked about the issues and, and the pact with Larry Scott in uh, uh, follow Pact 12, lock, stop, and barrel in terms of saying, look, the NCAA needs to make some serious decisions and about I, where they're going. This is about power and control. Some people confuse it and say it's about money. No. The money is there. This is about power. Because when you make, it's, it's one thing to make a, uh, uh, make a discussion or have a, have a conversation, as he's re- referred to it as, in a closed environment. But yes. you, everybody all of a sudden, this year, nobody complained about realignments. Everything's all fine and hunky-dory. You know, we went over going with the bowl situation. We're adding a few more to this conference, taking away from, from a couple of more conferences. But at the end of the day, Emirates, we don't think you're doing a good job and we want, we want to have our say. Right. And at the end of the day... And they told it. They called them out. And they made that... Everybody's making that statement all public now. It's yeah. out there. And it's, you can, it's, now, Pac-12, Larry Scott, and... Uh, Big Ten Commissioner Tim Delaney. Tim Delaney tried to soften it a little bit, but the two biggies, but the two biggies, but they were all still singing the same yeah. song. But I, I but refer the two biggies with SEC and the Big Twelve. They, and they, they, they came came said, I don't care. Yeah. It's out here now. This is what's on our mind, and we intend on getting this done. And let me add to this: as you said, uh, he's Emirates already called for a meeting, a symposium that he's coming now, together in jet February. Would it, be with the, would it be with the presidents or would it be with the coaches association? Because the coaches have basically made a statement that somebody on campus okay. Correct. They're, they're, they're and now um, you see this is something that is historical, and this is going back to what we teach in class. If you go back and start looking at the NCA, this is something that goes back and forth all the time. And as y'all covered it, you've seen it right. throughout the years where the coaches and the ADs try to get more power and control versus the president. So this is kind of going back and forth. And he called this among the commissioners and the athletic directors and the coaches. 
So it'll be interesting who's next and what the presidents, how they go after this and deal with this issue as well. Hopefully it all gets worked out, but folks, that's still be Oh, it'll get worked out, but I don't know if it's going to be in our favor. Um, when I say all, I'm talking about small institutions. That's true, because what it all boils down to is once the playoff situation gets gets started, it'll be a, it's going to take at least two years to figure it all out as to what I mentioned before, how many teams can we expand to, how can we get these teams into a central situation, and will we use the bowl games that they're going to use to start off with as a way to, to make that work or they'll do just like the uh, – if the championship series, which plays a home home situation, <clears throat> uh, who bids and has the money to afford a team playing, and will they uh, or will they go the way of the basketball where they bracket teams and and kind of like spread everybody out to give everybody a chance to either do regional or do national travel, but it'll always fall down to a national TV situation. I'm looking at an article on SportsIllustrated.com and it's mentions the five big-time conferences, but it also says, and possibly the American Athletic Conference. Do you think it's possible for them, for what you call the ACT, or the Americans, to, to be part of this super... According to the interview, that I, uh, the question I asked uh, Coach Levine on yesterday about his welcome to the new conference, he said it was different, very different. He had never seen that kind of national media at a foot day, football day, uh, a football media day. And it was interesting how he lit up kind of like his eyes lit up and his face changed, which I which interested me because he had this look of wonderment. I think we made the best situation we we could have done. Yeah. You know, I wasn't happy at first because we made this move, but now I'm looking at it. We, you know, they may be getting into our backyards, but we're gonna be getting into that. You know, he's not worried about a lot of those school, you know, kids now going out because. They do leave. But on his level and what his mindset is, he thinks he's going to be able to hold on to, to what he holds on to right now. It'll be interesting. No, I think the the expansion of the mega conference that a lot of people said was going to the super conference, and they might hold out for a, long, for a while. But obviously you see the mega conferences with uh, the SEC, the Big Ten, and the ACC. I think it was purposely done to enroll one of the conferences so they could have more control and more money. So I think it's going to be very difficult for the American Conference and these non-members of the Big Five Conferences um, to really get a part of this playoffs. I think they're really trying to turn that off. And if you look again at the statements that you just talked about with the commissioner of the Big 12, he made it obviously. He thinks that there's some institutions that should not be participating On at this level. He made it clear that we made it too easy, in his words, to get into Division One, because he was talking about the budget differentials of $3 million versus $130 million, if you would, mm-hmm. to paraphrase what he right. said, and the fact that it was not only too easy to get in, it was too easy to stay in. So they want to have control, and if these other institutions are not going to allow them to vote on these stipends, vote on these issues in terms of uh, Mac Brown came out with the Coaches Association and made it very clear that they've been working towards this, that they tried to put earphones into the helmets, copying what you've seen at the uh, NFL level uh, because they could afford it. It got voted down in terms of the NCAA rules because the institutions could not afford it. They tried to do some things in terms of the clock involvement, couldn't vote it in because they couldn't get in. So uh, this stipend was the last straw, if you would, in terms of what they want to do and how they think they're getting negative feedback with all the money, and they want to try to defray some of that and put it back into the players so they think they can take away some of this negative energy that's coming out here. So I think it's going to be very difficult for the American Conference and these other conferences to jump into this. Because the the one uh, uh, conference that comes to mind is the Mountain West. They were the ones that put up the big thing. They, They forced the issue the first time around. They'll be the one of the conferences that'll be true. Put, put it, was, it was Bees and the Mountain West, West Conference. Yeah. But what has happened to those conferences? Those well, institutions that were there in go. there that had the loudest voice and were proponents of making sure that they were fed at this table not have a, not in there anymore. They have eroded. So the power structure that exists, really the only one that's left out there is Boise State in terms of being success. Mm-hmm. And people want 
teams that they measure its success to have an entrance. Those that are not quote unquote successful, and I'm just talking about wins and losses, mm-hmm. and not what they're right. doing is academic institutions right. or right. what they're what they're doing uh, in terms of building great programs. But we're namely talking about football and what they're doing in terms of wins and losses. The only one out there that has not found one of the mega homes is Boise State, and that's about television market. Right. But they've eroded those conferences, so it's going to be a lot harder for those conferences to get the galvanization, if you would, in terms of getting the people behind supporting them included in this. And so that's where you're going to have the political problem and fight to see the enough initiative to get them included in terms of the big five. So that's where this is going to be played at, at that level. So it'll be interesting to follow up. Do you think, point blank, I believe it's inevitable, but do you think it's good for Olympic sports, uh, uh, winter sports? Whatever, whatever you want to say, period, college football, Olympic sports, whatever you think is good, that it's going to happen, I think it's, in, I think it's inevitable. Do you right. think it's a good thing? At some point, it will be, but it, it, it will all fall back to what Dr. Bill mentioned earlier. Who makes the decision on how much the Olympic, not, well, let me refer this, non-revenue earning sports like track and field, soccer, uh, baseball uh, is, is not on the same level. You, you, you've got an upper tier with baseball. Women's basketball. Women's basketball. You've got an upper tier with, with women's basketball. Uh, It'll be it'll be interesting how they just figure all of that out because you know Title Nine stands there at the at the forefront of yes. everybody before you, it sits on the table in front of everybody and takes a dump and all uh, because it's basically saying do not forget me and do not forget me and to that the big time women's basketball programs the ninety five percent of them are in the Big Five. Conferences that we're talking about. I mean, I can't off the top of my head think of a superpower at women's basketball that's not at one of the Big Five conferences. Outside of what, UConn? Well, UConn. UConn's it. Yeah. Besides UConn, there's nobody else who's not in a Big Five conference. Right, and they could survive by themselves. I think it depends on who you're saying, who you're looking at. In terms of your presidents, they're going to be fine. They're still going to get their money. Athletic directors, they'll be fine. They'll still get their money. <laughs> in terms of coaches, they'll be fine. They'll still get their money. The new winners will obviously be student-athletes. They'll get a little more money, and they're probably going to be in the most revenue-driven sports. They might supplement the other, some other sports, women basketball, something like that, to deal with the Title IX issues if they don't find a way to separate uh, the way the wealth money is driven in terms of supporting Title IX. The people who are hurt uh, will be in general. Uh, when you start having this closure in terms of the economic platform, you can have less institutions that have access to this revenue. So it's going to hurt all those institutions that don't have it, which means that you're probably going to have less opportunity for students to gain scholarships uh, because people are going to focus on sports. So you're going to lose sports. You've kind of seen this going on with right. wrestling and baseball. Right. You're going to see more of that. And you're going to see the ones that the power builders that have it, they'll have bigger programs, and they might have more scholarships, but you end up losing uh, scholarships from those other institutions. So it's going to hurt on that level. And then in just general in terms of that Darwinism uh, syndrome mm-hmm. or the survival of the fittest, mm-hmm. I think uh, that's a dangerous platform to have. I think if you're one of the ones getting fed, you love it. I'm if you're at the table. Yeah, you're at the table, I'm good. If you're not at the table, you're going to be beating at that door, and that can be dangerous because you see society uh, when it happens. And what? Okay, let's toss this out there. What will, what could happen if the courts rule against the NCAA when it terms of the because EA sports? Yeah, and they oh, did. That, 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 that's going to be that's going to be interesting. Let me but, give you an update on that. Okay. EA sports, um, um, when they sent the supplemental thing in there, there was a uh, deposition that came out that ruled against EA Sports. So now it's time for the overall lawsuit to go forward, so it's very likely that the NCAA will lose, and you're probably going to have EA Sports try to sue the NCAA because they granted them the permission when they already had the rules on the books. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be very interesting in terms of... Who, who was paid for that? the money? Who, where was the money come it's from? It's going to come out of the conference with the NCAA, yeah. and it's going to come out of basically the basketball money, which means the payout 
that the school institutions would have gotten normally is going to decrease. So that all that money that's in the NCA that's in their reservoir, a lot of that money will be lost. And that's why another reason, as you talked about earlier, some of these commissioners, namely athletic directors as well as coaches, are very upset with Emmert because he's been losing quite a few of these uh, lawsuits. Uh, you've seen the one, obviously, with the football mm-hmm. in terms of uh, making wrongful judgments against institutions. So there's a lot of issues that are going on, and I'll be surprised if Emmerich can survive this. The, the other thing, uh, well, you know, the, speaking of the EA, you know, this is that, that uh, NC2A didn't re up on the on the contract. So now it's they don't. Yeah, they and do. They, it's basically like, okay, now we got to sit and. Because they didn't, if, and one of the reasons they didn't up it again is because now you're going to go from this point in time once you sever the conference and all that back pay. So if they would have re upped it, that means you continue on going down this uh, lawsuit pattern that's coming so that you're up to whatever point that you lose that lawsuit. So they're trying to stop the bleeding at this point, if you would, and say, all right, we'll deal with our losses from here on. So you're exactly uh, right when you look at the fact that they suffered that deal at this point. We'll transition to basketball on two fronts. Real quick, the one that... No, I'm going to talk about Mr. Man and his, his issue. I, I stumped on the homeless man. No, I'm going to get into all that. All right. Um, the NCAA committee, men's committee, changing the bracket right. guidelines That's for the right. tournament. Let's talk about that. The Wildcat and myself have been in the mock selection to, on the women's basketball side. So we've seen them behind the doors, closed doors. How that happens is a little – I mean, it's, it's, it's different. To, to be honest with you. Men's basketball, women's basketball committees, it's a little bit different. But – what happened there, let me just read this, because it's going to happen on the women's side, too. I'm pretty sure it's going to happen in some capacity. But basically, they uh, changed how, uh, whether teams can meet if they played in the, in the regular season. Well, in the season, and includes regular season and conference tournament as well. Played one, two, or three times. Based on that, determines if a team can play in the round of 32, the round of 16, or the round of Elite Eight. It used to be teams in the same conference could not play to the regional final, which is the Elite Eight. Mm-hmm. The committee changed that uh, qualification, and then based on the only play one time, that could be as early as around 32. Now, keep in mind, with now the first four, the NCAA considers that the first round. Mm-hmm. So that is not, we don't, everybody else calls that the playing tournament. No, 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 no. The NCAA calls that round one. That's right. So the second round is the field of 64. Great observation. And then the third round is the round of 32. So the guidelines are going to change. It allows more flexibility for the committee to seed and to bracket the teams in the tournament and hopefully get better matchups and closer, geographically speaking, where fans don't have to travel too far to see their team play. One. Two, it also allows teams overall, because we used to happen based on the principles and procedures that were in place, committees have to move a team, maybe one seed line or two seed lines, on a very rare case, they don't happen like two times in the last 10, 15 years that a team has moved two, two seed lines. But one seed line, it impacts the rest of the bracket. If I'm being a Cougar, so let me give my Cougar miracle here. For example, <laughs> if the Cougars, if the Cougars first of all, as, as in U of H, because it could be BYU, I'm saying. I like this. But, but if U of H was up, are you saying you win the conference? No, just pie in the sky. Pie in the sky. Be the baddest yeah. guy. We're still with it. Yeah, no, 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 the committee sees the team 1-64. And the first four are the first four, 1-2-3-4, are the top seed in each region. Right. And then they will place the brackets based on the seed line. So 5, 6, 7, 8 are placed and accordingly, uh, geographically, op- optimally, et cetera, along the S-curve that's committee puts together. If Team X, let's say Team X, I'll be objective. Team X is... On the C line of the five seed, right? But based on the matchups, the other uh, other conference members are also on that line, so they'd have to be moved down to the six seed line or move up to the four seed line. Well, if you have movement like that in previous tournaments, it impacts. If you are playing, if, if you are actually the nineteenth best team in the tournament, and you end up moving up to the sixteenth spot where you may be playing somebody you have a less that's a chance of beating. Yeah, that's amazing. Whereas if you move down, then you have a better chance of beating somebody you may play. So things like that. So the reason for the change, I think, is going to help. Ultimately, but you touched, enough, touched on this earlier. One of the reasons 
even though the, the director of the committee, head of the committee, said in his uh, conference call on Thursday, he was asked if one of the reasons was because of the super conferences and the, the number of teams in conferences. Is that one of the one of the main impetus for this? He said no. But obviously, if you have 16 teams in a conference, you have 9, 10, 11 teams from that same conference qualifying for a tournament. It's, it, it's much more difficult to place all of them Correct. correctly yeah. along the seat line. So that's, one, that's really one of the reasons why they did Because remember, the first year we went to Mark, they put a scenario up on, on the board similar to that, where a number was thrown out, a team was thrown out and placed in a line, and it was done that. That's when they used to do it by hand. Oh, you know, before because the technology. Yeah, now it's all done by computer. But it's uh, <coughs> you, you put a team up on the board and you just start placing. You know, you start placing four teams right behind it because that's that's how you group them in. Groups of four, and you put, place them in, and then you get a bound by KG mentioned about three lines down, and all of a sudden you got a situation, <laughs> and somewhere along the way. You got to move somebody in and out, but in the process, you do what? Uh, who was that traveled from here to all the way across country? Yeah, yeah, Texas A&M. A&M. Right. You send them all the way to Oregon to play, but they're in the same region that's going to be in Dallas. But they got to go all the way out, and Baylor stays here, and I think it was year A&M won the conference. Right. And uh, people couldn't understand. They couldn't understand it, and basically. Coach Black was highly peeved about that. Which I don't blame him because, yeah, yeah. because you got you got, you got a fan base built in, and everybody can't make that run. Right. You know, it's, it's so. And you should be fighting for the young ladies that have earned that opportunity to be there. You should fight for your fan base that has supported you, and then what you believe ultimately is just the right thing to do. So, I think your points are there excellent of that. It's a move, and it should be a, something that's positive. Uh, but the impetus for it, even though he said it wasn't, I think was an interesting comment, uh, him not bringing that to the forefront. And, and a perfect example of that situation was this past season. Preview plays Baylor. Right. Uh, and yet still, they still were, uh, you know, given, a, uh, given housing. You know, they just right up the road now from each other. It, it was a good weekend because now the fans, the PV fans, were able to go to Waco instead of having to find a way to get all the way to stores. Right. Anything? Now, now keep in mind, it's happened first with the men's committee, and I think it's a matter of time before this these I changes will happen on the women's committee. Women's committee has a whole bunch of other issues, and, and the WBCA uh, outlined some earlier a few days ago to implement, begin implementing some of the suggestions that Val Ackerman uh, put forth in her white paper to improve the women's game in terms of the marketing in terms of the seeding of the tournament, the marketing of the tournament, the marketing that the coaches do to market their specific program locally and do a better job of getting fans and butts in the seats and as well as TV marketing as well. So it's happened on the men's basketball community side first. It will happen on the women's side because women's basketball has a whole other problem with marketing. You know, the women's tournament is not well attended and the crowd unless the it's the big-time team's it's at their home court. If it's a re- if it's a neutral site, target anybody there. But if the games are on at Tennessee, at Connecticut, at Stanford, teams that draw well, those right. tournament games at draw well as well. At Baylor, even you know, is that only right. probably ten teams, right. if that many, that draw well at home. If you got fans have to travel neutral sites, it's it's a death knell. And look back for TV. You see the games. ESPN is not happy about that. Seeing they're broadcasting all the games, cover the entire tournament. And they see all these empty seats. You're right. So they're all trying to work together to improve their product for the teams, the fans, and ESPN as well. So that's a whole other kettle of fish that they're trying to fix and probably will take another year or so to implement all the changes there. Um, but kudos to the NCAA committee, whatever reason they want to give for making the changes. At least they made changes, and I think will benefit men's basketball, and I think everything's going to start this season. So we'll see once the March uh, selection show comes out Sunday in March of 2014. We'll see the changes take place. I think everybody will be better for it. Look forward to the tournament. Wildcats is planning to be there at the Final Four in Arlington, up the road. Yep. And I'll be in Nashville, and you're hoping to join me a day later. Uh, that's how we do it. So I like it. I need to get in on it. So that's how we're doing that thing. Two more things real quick here. 
The Rockets re-signed uh, Francisco Garcia to a two-year contract, second year as a team option. Good deal, good deal uh, bad deal. I, I think it's a great deal. I mean, he initially, if they would have picked up his option, would have owed him $6.5 million. Okay. He's, they re-signed it for, for $1.5 million, better minimum. Total contract is $2.6 million, so they saved money there. And even money to get Dwight Howard. That's one reason why I did it. And Francisco, Francisco played well in the first round against the Thunder. He became a fan favorite because of his defense on Kevin Durant, which was, was a solid. Right. And the clutch threes that he, he made as well. So I think he's a team player. The fans love him as well. So Rockets have like 18 guys in camp now. It amazes me how every year fans, back to basketball fans forget that NBA teams are allowed to bring as many as 20 people, 20 players into camp. So it's, it's summertime, and they look at their team's roster. We've got 18 guys in, on the team right now. But every year, you can bring 20 guys to camp. You, so it's like fans, every year forget the fact 20, 20 guys can be in camp. This is August. It doesn't matter if you got 18 guys in, on the roster right now. Because come season, the ball is tossed in October. you got 15, 15. three inactive, 12 inactive rosters. So calm down, Rocket fans. You may, you know, there'll be some guys who are on the roster right now. you got to make the team. Rockets have competition at every position. Which is good. Which is a good thing. I and, and that, I that's I'm going to stick with that. I just see... Asic and, and Howard battling every day, which I think will be a good thing. That'll let folks know, you know, what we got, what what kind of money we pay for, and what it looked like out there, on, you know, on the, on the floor. Speaking of the Rockets, will camp be close, or will they go on the road for it? That for has, has been determined. If that's a good question, I'll be uh, The only reason I'm asking is because there will most likely be a horde of press people looking to, you know, get him uh, to show up every day for. To get quotes or whatever, I'll see how practice went, and the outside distractions. And those are two two factors on them. Yeah, and, and the marketing people were going are going to want it to be in a, here. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> While the uh, coaching side and the management side is like, let's get out of town. Yeah, that, that's that's so it'll be interesting to see who wins that fight. Right. And last basketball note: the NBA schedule. 13-14 schedule will be announced on August 6th. Okay. Um, they're making a big to-do about it to be on NBA TV. Smart. I'm not sure why. It's smart, but it, if my time is right, it's going to be at 5 o'clock Houston time with a show uh-huh. game. when I'm just getting off work, so I'm not really thrilled about that. But that day, the schedule will be announced, and we'll see how many times Rocks will be on national TV. I think one of the podcasts I said told the Wildcat to be at least 10 times to be on national TV. So I think we'll see. Yeah, uh, you doing plus or minus on that, Tim? Oh, at least then. Because yeah, if, that's that's if you had to say plus maximum, or minus. Maximum, I think exposure for a team is 22. So, so you asked me 10. I said I think it'd be over that. I think I, it's it's, over. I'm looking at 15. Right. Uh, only, only because some holidays will be at gotcha. for, the, for this team this year. So and, and the way they, you know, they can just hit the switch and, and do it instead of driving truck back and forth around. There's all that the satellite and says, we need that satellite. Right. Because, you know, move from, especially the NFL is in town that weekend, and they want to do something, you know, that Sunday or that Saturday. Hey, we need the truck and all to move up to the Toyota Center for one day or for, for 12 hours, 24 hours, and then we hand it back to you. Boom. Let's, yeah, there you go. let's wrap it up. Doc, is there anything you want to add in conclusion? Well, that's everything. I just want to say thank you for giving me the invite and the opportunity to talk to your fans. Hopefully I brought something to the table. And I look forward to many more uh, partnerships, uh, podcasts. And once again, let everybody know where they can uh, find you on World Wide Web. Yes, on the web, you can go to THG-Agency.com, Facebook and Twitter, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. You can email me if you want direct information in terms of the radio shows that I do with the sports report, particularly those that want to focus a little more on the HBCU side, both football and basketball. You can send me an email at kcavill at thg-agency.com. That's K-C-A-V-I-L at thg-agency.com. Wildcat? One last thing. Randall Johnson. Randall Johnson, senior linebacker for Florida Atlantic University, September 28th. Rice Owls. He's coming. He's he's told me to tell folks he's coming, but he was talking smack about... Texas high school football. I need him to get the crap beat out of him in the pancake. <laughs> Officer Lyman, do you hear me? Ten people that rice. How can folks find you, sir? You can find me online at uh, kingsideview.com. 
uh, the college, I'm on the front page of the College Sports Report, uh, and you can find me the College Sports Report at uh, YouTube, Twitter, Blogspot, folks. It'll be week. It's right now on a weekly since football season has started. It'll be pretty much on a regular basis, and Let's get that, some stuff done as that Rice game approaches. Be sure you mention his name oh, a few more me. times. I, I want I to will be acknowledge who he is. I will be asking. Let me know if he, if he gets pancake as you put it. <laughs> oh, trust me. Trust me. I may just think it may sit out there. I'll be like a friend of mine that, like, a friend of mine was in the media. I may sit outside in the, in the fan area. It's, it's like somebody knocked him on his back. <laughs> no, I'm not that kind of guy, man. I don't care about being nice and nasty at a football game. I want to see some hitting. <laughs> He's a part of that and gets knocked down. So be. So be. And I'm KG. Uh, thank you, as always, everyone, for listening. You can find me on uh, Twitter. My Twitter handle is THR Review. I'm on Facebook as well, Houston Round Ball Review Facebook fan page. I'm on YouTube, Houston Round Ball. A YouTube channel is also Houston Round Ball Review YouTube channel. My website is HoustonRoundBallReview.com. Once again, Twitter is THR Review. Thank you as always for listening. And in conclusion, as I always say, be true, be cool, and do more.